0: Happy Woo 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 Hey, sorry, coming in hot. Alright. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh 2023, we made it. Congrats to us. Um can you guys all go woo? Okay, alright, sorry. I just wanted to make sure that uh we're all awake this morning. So um did you know that nobody had to teach me how to be selfish? Um, It was really innate. It was no problem. I learned it right away. And so when I was a little kid, I'm the youngest of three, and I'm sure we didn't do anything wrong, but it just so happened that me and all of my siblings were upstairs waiting for punishment for something that we had done. And so we were at the top of the stairs kind of like... What are mom and dad going to do? Whatever it was, we were scared. I can't remember what it was. I was probably five years old. And then they started calling us down one at a time. And so the eldest goes first and she disappears down the stairs. And I'm looking at the middle kid and he's looking at me. And you hear the distinctive sound of an early 90s spanking. And then a little bit of crying and then she's gone. And then he gets called down next. And I'm up there by myself like, oh. Oh. It's happening. Like, how can I protect myself? What do I need to do to make sure that my licking is not as bad as theirs? And I'm next to this bookshelf, and we have this book. It was Mother Goose's, you know, storybook, and it was ginormous. And so I slide it into the back of my pants. And so I was four years old, so my butt was probably, like, this big, and the book was, like, this big, and it stretched into a complete square. And so I get downstairs... And my parents are like, Abby Jo, is there anything you want to tell us? And I was like, no, not at all. And they were like, are you doing anything to maybe lessen your punishment? And I was like, I am not. I'm not. I'm not doing that. And they were like, this is your last chance. If you lie, you're going to get two spankings. And I was like, I am not lying. Uh, so I got two spankings. And it was not even close. Like, it was a complete disaster. Um, because naturally, we try to uh, lessen the blow. We try to protect ourselves. We try to look out for number one. And so the Bible story we're gonna read today is a little bit about that innate selfishness. That's actually like why we all come here all the time. Is cause I don't know about you guys, but man, when I try to be good, I'm still just not. Or whenever I try to do the right thing, I still just, I don't naturally. Inside, I'm still that four year old kid putting mother goose in the butt of my pants, you know? And so um, if you've got a Bible, we're going to be reading out of Luke today. Um, it It might be on the screen with words. If not, you can just listen. That's fine. But we're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan. So it's Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And so it starts out like this. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. They're talking about Jesus. There's like a whole group of people. And they're hanging out and Jesus has been talking to them. And the lawyer stands up and starts questioning him. And before you're too harsh on the lawyer, like I totally do this too, where I'm like, hey God, I'm going to pray, but I want you to know how I want this to turn out. And so whenever we read this, we're like, man, the lawyer was being kind of a jerk trying to trap Jesus into saying what he wanted Same, I've done it too. And so don't be too harsh on the lawyer. We've all been there. So he's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to get him to say something wrong. So a lawyer stands up and he puts him to the test and he says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed and came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. When he went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So there are a lot of ways to prove that you're being a good neighbor. And I think um, despite uh, innately wanting to look out for ourselves, sometimes we, we really do try to love our neighbors. And we try to look out for who that might be. Um, an example that I can think of, of the best time that somebody was a neighbor to me first grade Sunday school, it was chaos. So we walk in and there are kids everywhere. I'm pretty sure they're hanging from the ceilings. Um, it was kind of a big church and my parents had wrestled me into a dress that morning. There had already been tears. We get there, they open the door and it was like 25 first grade boys and zero first grade girls, except for me. And we open the door and my parents are like, bye. You know, like they're on the way to the donuts or whatever. And so I'm standing in there and I'm looking at this chaos uh, and there's boys everywhere. And this boy comes up to me and he goes, ew, you're a girl and girls aren't allowed here. And I just froze. I was wearing my little saddle shoes. And I was like, uh-oh, there's so many more of them than me. What am I going to do? And uh, my very best friend in the world... Uh, his name was Matt Green, he saw me, walks over. He was way shorter than me, so he, like, swings his arm up and over, and he was like, hey, she might be a girl, but she's my prince. You be nice to her. And the kid goes, okay. And it was fine. But how often do we actually stand up for somebody like that? How often do you go out of your way, and you're like, ooh, it's a controversy, but I'm going to get involved. I'm going to stand up. Like, that felt like a good neighbor to me. In contrast, I've been, uh, like, when I was probably 21, 22, um, my group of friends, I went to WT, we were going to go downtown Amarillo and eat. And we get there, and we park the car, and we're walking in, and there's a guy with a bullhorn on the corner just, like, chirping. It was wild. He, uh, he had lots to say about what we were doing and where we were headed, although it was genuinely only to dinner, but this man with the bullhorn was attempting to share the gospel in the most angry way i've ever heard in my life and he mentioned hell so much Uh, there wasn't actually a whole lot of jesus in it um, but it it felt very attacking and so sometimes like you can love your neighbor or you can think you're loving your neighbor and we just sometimes we miss the mark you know what i'm saying and so and This story is talking about that same selfishness. This story is talking about how how sometimes we miss it. So the road that they're talking about in this passage, it goes from Jerusalem down to Jericho and it's super, super deserty and super, super rocky. I think we might have a picture of it. Um, And so this is a kind of a photo of the terrain, luscious, right? A great place to vacation, we should all go. And so people would walk from here down, it's a 17 mile road, and it's so rocky that people, like robbers, would hide in the rocks and they'd pop out and be like, Surprise, I'm gonna take your money. Surprise, I'm gonna beat you up. It was really not an ideal place to be, but it was really commonly traveled. And so, even though it was dangerous, it was the only road to take. Like, what you gonna do? That's like, if there's a wreck on I 27 between here and Canyon, what you gonna do? You still gotta go that way. I mean, you could maybe skirt around to VFW, but There's pretty much only one highway, you know? And so it's the same deal. Very well-traveled, lots of people on it. Um, But when the man who got robbed, he's all laid out, he's in bad shape. When the priest goes by, that priest actually had a moral obligation to help that guy. When he saw the Jewish man all in shambles, all bloodied up, not doing great, he should have been the one who's like, ooh this is what I've been training for. And you know what? He's like, didn't see him, walked right by. The Levite is essentially the same deal. He's an assistant to the priest. He also has a moral obligation to help this guy. And he's like, I didn't see it. I've got places to be and keeps going. Now, Samaritans and Jewish people, they don't get along. This is like, I want you to imagine somebody that thinks differently than you, maybe dresses differently than you. Maybe they're not quite from around here. Maybe they don't act right. Maybe they don't have a lot in common with you. That person, that's the Samaritan, right? They were totally opposite culturally. They were totally um, separate. And so the Samaritan has no reason to help this guy. And not only does he do it, he does it really, really, really well. He pays the innkeeper. He pours oil and wine, which those are not inexpensive items in this day. So he's spending money on them. He gets off his animal and puts the hurt guy on the animal. And now the Samaritan is the one walking. And the thing about that is when this is all over, there's a chance that when the Jewish man comes to, he's not going to be like, hey, let's be best friends. It might be that he does all this and doesn't even get a thank you at the end. It might be that he goes out of his way to help this guy and it's just onward and forward and nobody says thanks at all. And so um, he's not doing it for the the glory of any of that. He's genuinely helping him just because he needs help. And so in our lives, who in your world are you kind of walking by quickly? It's really easy to get stuck in our own routines of our own family. Well, I'm going to help my kids, and my grandkids, and my, um, the, the people at my job, or whatever, and only this circle of friends, these are the only ones I talk to, there might be somebody just whoop, right adjacent to your group who needs your attention, and somebody who's like really hurt and wounded, and you're just walking on by. Um, but it's really impossible to just be like, hey, go do better, everybody, because we're not designed like that. Turns out, uh, this is a great place to make confessions, so I'm going to make one right now. I have never, ever made it a full year on a New Year's resolution. Um, I'm not even sure that I've made it like out of January. I've been like, I'm going to exercise now. No, I'm not. You know, like uh, anything that I do on my own strength, I can crush it for a real short period of time, and then after that, I'm like, I'm tired, and I quit early because we on our own are not designed to do good. God is the one who does good through us. And so if you want to love your neighbor, if you want to come up with ways to impact the community, if you want to make your workplace a better spot, if you want to make your neighborhood a better spot, if you want to reach out to people and share the gospel with them, it can't just be, I'm going to do all those things. Jesus is the one who empowers us to do it. Um, When... In, like, 2007, I was a senior in high school, and I got invited to go on a mission trip. Um, They kept calling it East Asia because the country was not super excited about having Christian missionaries go over there. But there were some people from our church that were full-time working at a university, definitely not sharing the gospel um, during their free time there, right? Wink, wink. Yes? Okay. Uh, because they were only there for academic purposes because that's the only thing the country allowed at the time. Is everybody with me on that? Okay. There's a lot of blank stares where are like, you're really confusing. But um, anyway, we were going to go and visit these not missionaries, definitely not missionaries, uh, academics, right? Academics who snuck Bibles in that looked like Easter gifts. Uh, people that maybe had studies where they would explain the American cultural phenomenon of Christianity to young Chinese students at universities. And so we go over there. We had to sneak Bibles in in our luggage um, and we were like, we wrapped them up as gifts and stuff. And we went over. It was Easter weekend. And so we were allowed to do a seminar at one of the universities about the gospel under... Almost the ruse, I feel like I don't want to use that word, uh, but under the ruse of being like, this is American culture. Can we tell you a little bit about what we believe? We're going to do an Easter egg hunt and also present the gospel to you. And it was wild. So we got to talk to all these, uh, these college students. Um, and at one time, they told us that they wanted us to go and just meet people and visit with them. Because a lot of times, um, people that were living in China wanted to practice their English with a native English speaker. And so like, okay, so it's me and this girl, Allison. She's about my age, so we're seniors in high school. We go and we're, we're walking around and we're praying and we're trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're like, I'm supposed to be doing something, but what is it? And so we're walking around and uh, we're, we're praying and she was like, knock on that door. I'm like, okay, so we pick one. Uh, and we're in a dormitory where it was just like hundreds of doors down this hallway um, and it was a huge high rise. We pick one, we knock. And this girl opens the door, and she's so thrilled to see us, which I feel like I wouldn't have reacted that way if strangers were just like, knock, knock, do you want to visit? They're like, no, go away. Like, it's my dorm room, and I'm watching Gilmore Girls go somewhere. Um, but they were like, ooh, come in, I'll make you tea. And I was like, this is absurd. Okay, so we go in, and we sit down. They had four roommates to where we would maybe put one or two roommates, um, and it was a bunk bed with a desk under it, four times. All kind of, I mean, like this stage is luxuriously large compared to where we were. It was kind of like being in a shoebox. So anyway, we're all in this shoebox together drinking green tea and I'm trying to like not get the leaves in my teeth and stuff and we're visiting and it was all normal things like, are you from here? How many siblings do you have? And we're all visiting or whatever. And there's three girls that are in it. They're all talking to us. We're having a great time. And uh, there's one roommate who's kind of in the corner and she's like, I don't trust it. I don't like it. I'm not about it. And it was, it was one of those deals where the Lord was like, talk to her. And it's like, I don't want to. He's like, talk to her. It's he like, eh, I'd rather not. Like, she looks grouchy. She kind of looks like we are a bunch of foreigners who wandered in here. And uh, she doesn't really want us to be around. And Jesus was like, yeah, no, you need to. And so I'm like, hey, uh, what's your deal? You know, so we start visiting. I start asking her about her background and stuff. And she softens a little, uh, and we, we end up sharing the gospel with her. Allison and I, we sit down, and we're like, we're talking to her about who, who Jesus is and how uh, he came to, to save mankind and how we're really, we're nothing without God. It's the only, the only religion in the entire world where instead of humans getting better, it's the one where God came down and saved us instead. And so we're visiting with her about that, and she goes, oh, I know. And I was like, you do? And she turns to her mattress, she pulls the sheet up, and there's a slit in the side of her mattress. Sorry. It always gets me. She pulls out a, a Chinese Bible, and she shares the gospel with her roommates in her own language. But that's a huge risk there. Like, huge. And so... She's risking her parents being upset. She's risking getting kicked out of school. Like, it is a way bigger deal than me just going and talking to somebody. But God knew that all along. And there's these really cool circumstances where when you're paying attention to other people, and you are being a part of the community, and you're loving your neighbors, uh, God is doing really awesome stuff if we would pay attention to it. But what's different between being on a mission trip in China and being in Amarillo, Texas? Sometimes I wake up here and I'm like, oh, it's time to go to work. Oh, it's time to feed my child. Oh, it's, you know, and you get stuck in this routine, in this innate selfishness where God is trying to do something awesome. The only difference between a mission trip in Amarillo, Texas, is that when we would wake up, we'd be paying attention to what God is trying to do. We woke up with the goal of where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say? And we were walking around praying, and that's how that situation unfolded. How often do I walk around and pray in Amarillo when I'm at the grocery store and I'm in a rush and there's somebody who's clearly upset? Do I zip right by him? Do I stop and engage? You know, if we're praying and we're prayerfully living our life and we're walking with the Lord, he's going to open opportunities to answer that question. Who is my neighbor? Because there's somebody there's somebody in your world um, that just they need the Lord. And it, it doesn't have to be bullhorn style. You don't need to yell at them. Um, it doesn't have to be this big production of the gospel. It could be, like in this story, it's oil and wine and taking care of somebody's physical needs. That, that might be you. It might be... Um, giving somebody a meal who needs one. It might be saying hi to somebody who doesn't have anybody to visit with. It might be knocking on the door of your neighbor and bringing them whatever leftover Christmas cookies have still survived at your house. Um, Whatever that might look like. And so as we go into 2023, we're not going to do better. Like we can't just muster up the courage and be like, New Year's resolution, be a good Samaritan. Because Ourselves, we can't be a good Samaritan. Jesus is the one who empowers us to do that. And Jesus is the one that prompts us and works through us and wills and and acts according to his good purpose, using us as vessels. And so for 2023, our goal isn't to be a good Samaritan. It's to communicate with Jesus more. It's to pray. It's to walk with him. It's to pay attention to those around us. But that's secondary to paying attention to him. And so, um, let's pray. Let's do that. Okay, everybody close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being the only God who came down to save people when they didn't deserve it. Thank you for sending us your Son and for sending us your Holy Spirit to, to work in us and to change our hearts. I pray that instead of being selfish and looking out for our own that you would teach us to prayerfully walk with you, that you would use your Holy Spirit to impact those around us. God, I pray that um, this congregation, that you would teach us to look out for others, not just in this building, but at our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, when we're out in public, when we're building relationships with people. I pray that you would help us to see the world through your eyes and that you would teach us to walk with you uh, as 2023 is, is coming, I pray that you would just direct our steps. Teach us where to go. Teach us what to say. If you want us to be quiet, we'll be quiet. If you want us to speak, we'll speak. But I just pray that you would uh, just use everybody in this room for your glory. We know that you're already doing really neat stuff out there. And we want to be part of it. Because anything that you're doing is better than what we're doing. Thank you so much for loving us despite all of our mess-ups and all of our sins. Thank you for using us, even though we're selfish. And I just pray that you would uh, use your power to make us into good Samaritans. Even if we're not going to get a thank you, even if nobody's going to know about it, even if it's an in-secret thing that no one ever knows about, I pray that we would honor you with our actions, with our words, and with how we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.